You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 78 with Ray Blakeney from Infinite Upcycle. Blake, thanks for joining. No, but my pleasure. This is, uh, you're you're one of a string of uh, DCers, I feel. Uh (laughs) It's all good. It's all in the family, right? Oh, yeah. So um, for those who don't know, uh, DCBKK is a conference in uh, Bangkok uh, where I met Ray among uh, many of the previous guests. Uh, where I feel like there's just a lot of people doing awesome stuff. Would you agree? Totally agree with that. I was a little overwhelmed at times. It's a five-day conference, right? So Mm. by the end of it, being an introvert myself, I was sitting there. I'm like, wow, there's just so much information to take in that I, I don't even know where to get started. Yeah. And I remember just being like, I got to have you on the podcast and you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, it, it goes for more than five days, really, because you end up in Chiang Mai afterwards mm-hmm. and, and then hanging out with people in cafes, which is where we caught up um, and decided to do this. Yeah. So Infinite Upcycle is your business. Uh, so let's start with a little bit of an introduction on, on you and, and Infinite Upcycle. Sounds good. Um, so my background is I'm a computer engineer by training. And the way I got into starting an online marketing agency is not actually the typical way. I didn't come into it from the marketing side of things. What happened was I built my own businesses online. So I started like 12 years ago, 12 or 13 years ago. I'm dating myself a little bit with this. Um, <laughs> doing SEO and learning all that stuff and building online businesses, primarily in the online language space. I still own a number of those like Live Lingua. .com, which is the number three online language school in the world. The only bootstrapped Damn. business um, in that space. Everybody else has got millions of dollars behind it. But the thing is, when you bootstrap a business, you have to get very creative about how you're doing things, which means you have to, essentially, I was doing everything in the beginning because I couldn't afford to pay anybody. So I developed this system, taking bits and pieces from like other people online. I didn't develop any of these. I just kind of merged them into a way that worked for me and was kind of a little more efficient. And I used it to build businesses. Again, Live Lingua gets about 4 million visits a year. I have a website called Twidgetkit, which gets 200,000. Makes doesn't make, make any money because it's a free service, but has 200,000 registered users. And I used Damn. this system to build all this stuff up. Never thought about starting an agency about it until I went to a conference and I was asked to speak. And the night before, I totally hadn't prepared. I was like, oh, damn, what am I going to talk about? I'm like, let me just talk about what we do in my marketing department. Because at this time, by then, I had a marketing department doing the system that I developed, kind of Uh tweaked over the years. And I went to the small conference, like 30, 40 people, and I gave the speech. I assumed they were kind of intermediate and advanced level entrepreneurs. So I'm like, this can be a little basic, but at least I'm not going to be in front of them with a blank, blank screen. And to my surprise, a third of them came up to me afterwards like, Ray, can you do that for us? (laughs) I was like... Not really. I just have a team to do it for my businesses. It's not like a service that I offer. I was just you know, sharing what we did. And that's where the, I, the seed of the idea came around. And after that, people just kept on having interest. I got invited to speak at other conferences about it. And from that, I decided to launch the business, infiniteupcycle.com. I'm 
all defense, I have a partner that helps me with that because running multiple businesses and starting a new one at the same time <laughs> is a little bit of work. So I have somebody, uh, my partner, yeah. JC. Yeah, exactly. So he's helping me out. He's helping carry the load. Um, he's got a 20 years of marketing background as well. So he's like, you know, we speak the same language. He's got yeah, the sales, nice. which I don't have. Um, and we launched the business. And now we, what we, we do what we call content amplification and content creation for our clients. Um, mm. Not to be confused with content repurposing. That's just a part of content amplification. But I, we'll probably get into that later. So I won't go down that yeah. rabbit hole just yet. And look, your talk at uh, DCBKK is exactly what introduced me to you. And it was the same thing. Like I noticed that there wasn't anything like particularly like new about any piece of it, but putting it all together, I was like, holy crap. Like I definitely took more notes from your talk than pretty much any other talk um, awesome. because, because it like it relates exactly to us, right? Like I love content and SEO as a marketing channel. To me, it's the most high leverage channel there is uh, mm-hmm. because once you rank and as long as you keep doing something, then you generally tend to stick there. Um, and you know, this one post that you write and the work you do to get it ranking pays off for like practically forever. Um, exactly. Yeah. So um, I guess I didn't actually cover that in the intro intro to this episode, but that is what we're going to be talking about is how you can uh, create content and get it ranking um, in as a system. And that's exactly what you guys do um, in your own businesses. And that's what Infinite Upcycle is all about. Exactly. Exactly. So what basically the Infinite Upcycle was born because, well, obviously my own businesses are now a client of Infinite Upcycle. Yeah. I kind of pulled, brought them in house. I brought the team that I had internally into Infinite Upcycle to do it for everybody else. And now I'm able to do it for other people out there. And we have multiple levels that we'll talk about that. But, you know, it's, mm. it go, we do everything from a done for you service where pretty much you want somebody to create, do your content creation, your social media, and your link building all in one process, we'll do it for you. Or if you create your own content, we'll promote it. Mm. And one of the benefits of doing all this stuff together, and this is what you alluded to when you know that I talk about in the talk is, let me break down the cycle into four basic categories, right? So we do keyword research and content clustering. So we kind of make sure that the keywords, the articles you're going to create, people are looking for them. And then we cluster them into things that Google likes so that all these articles are kind of related to each other. So your page becomes an authority. We write the articles. We do the social media with the hashtags and all the rest of it, and we do the link building. So those are the four, four stages. Mm-hmm. As you say, none of those are really unique in and of themselves. And there are companies that dedicate themselves to any one of those four pieces. Right. What we found, oh, you hire staff that does one of those any four pieces. What we found and what I found when I was starting off was there's so much overlap in that that you're wasting a ton of money by hiring your keyword research and content cl- clustering company, then your social media company, then your content writers, and then your link builders as kind of four separate entities. They're kind of doing the same work that another team somewhere else is already doing for you because they're not talking to each other. And that's yeah. the beauty of the infinite upcycle. They kind of, we do it all internally. So we pass the right information on from step one to step four so that you're not doing it twice, three times, four times. Yeah, twice. that's awesome. Um, I'd like to dig into the process a bit more, mm-hmm. but first I just want to cover some questions. Sure. <laughs> so... Uh, I like to ask guests that come on the show, uh, just like some things that we can cover, you know, like, where do you think we should take the direction of the show? Um, and yours, uh, were probably (laughs) one, some of the most interesting that I've seen. So I have to ask now. So how, how did swine flu lead to building your biggest business to date? What a question. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's so what happened was the first business that I launched, I launched with my wife, which 
turned out wonderfully, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend starting a business with your wife because it either ends in a strong relationship or divorce and there's no middle ground there, right? So we started our first business. I've always wanted to start my own businesses. I did something called the Peace Corps where I just dropped my job in the United States as a computer programmer and I volunteered for two years in Mexico helping indigenous communities. My wife was my Spanish teacher at the time. We finished, no money in our bank account, but I always knew I wanted to start a business, didn't know what about. She's a Spanish teacher. Logic. We started a Spanish school, right? Yeah. That's when I started learning online marketing. This was back in 2007 or so. Great. The school's doing great. But this was a physical business, right? Like, because I didn't even really know much about online business, even though I wrote online software at the time. Our school was doing really well. Six months in, we were fully booked. And then something called swine flu hit Mexico. So for anybody who doesn't remember... That was like this influenza that they said was going to be like the next black plague that was going to go across the planet. And they, they, they closed airports in Mexico. Nobody was flying to the country. Nobody was going out. And so everybody canceled. We were fully booked for three months out. Everybody canceled, except for, ironically, a group of four doctors from the United States. That <laughs> was hilarious. And that nobody, they're like, this is ridiculous. And they came down anyway and they did class. Wow. But we needed to find, we had some money saved up by that time, but we needed to find work for our staff because many of our teachers were contract workers. And unfortunately in Mexico, like the rest of the world, most people don't budget, right? So you pay them, we paid them every Friday and by the next Friday they'd be out, they would have no money left. There'd be Mm -hmm. no savings or anything. So I'm like, look, it's our responsibility to find a way for these people to make income. So my wife actually had the idea of like, why don't we contact our old students and offer them classes via Skype? So I'm like, oh, that sounds good. I'll just make a website for it too. So it looks kind of official. So I bought this dinky website, put up a five page website that was there. This was back in 2008. Nobody was doing this. We emailed the students and then I did basic SEO back then. SEO was a lot easier back then. There was software Mm -hmm. and stuff you could do. Within a month, we were ranking on the first page of Google for like Skype Spanish lessons. Not a huge amount of searches, but good enough for us. To our shock, within three months, it was doing better than our brick and mortar school. Damn. Within a year, it was way more for like an hour of work a day instead of like our 12, 14 hours <laughs> of working through the weekends. We were doing the brick and mortar school. So at that point, we, we sold our brick and mortar schools. By then, at the end, we had three different branches of it across the country. We sold that and we dedicated ourselves to this online business, which eventually became LiveLingua. It started off as like 12 microsites, but then we like worked together to LiveLingua. That's a sales pitch for SEO right there. Like, you know, obviously it's not so easy anymore, but like that is kind of how I view SEO is once it snowballs up to that point, it, it continues, it continues to pay off. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's, a, so- it's a marathon though, because people don't... I did SEO consulting to make ends meet for a while. And of course, there's the clients out there. It's like, I've been paying you for three months and I'm not on the first page of Google yet. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you want to be on the three, first page three of Google? Three months? They sound like a three dream months. client. Normally, it's like two weeks. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, they get you to build a website for them. You haven't done any SEO yet. And it's like, okay, you're live. And then the next day, you get an email. I Googled myself and I can't find you. God, yeah, exactly. Why? I was in there like, oh, I... That's why I stopped doing consulting on yeah. SEO itself. I'm like, I can't of, deal with that. A lot of people listening to this know that pain. Uh, exactly. And that's why, I mean, this total side uh, side thing is that I always used to um, include this in like the going live emails and even the onboarding in the beginning, like the things take time. You're not going to be able to find mm-hmm. yourself the day after launch and blah, blah, blah. But And I'll put the caveat in there for the infinite upcycle too. It's not a magic bullet. If you need your website to be number one in Google and all across social media in like seven days, this is the system we offer is not for you. This is to build your business <laughs> over the long term. There's literally only successful. one system that works for that, and that is paying a shitload of money for Google That's AdWords. It. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, let's talk about the the actual method, like the mm-hmm. 
we you spoke about um, the research through the you know there was four four parts. So let's yeah. go. Like obviously, I don't expect you to give away the farm here because we don't. I will have give away enough. the farm exactly. But I mean, honestly, I even in the talks, I will. If anybody contacts me through infiniteupcycle.com, I will walk you through every single step. Absolutely free of charge. And you have, no uh, do you have an online, like a workshop or something we can send people we're, to? We're actually, well, not yet, but go to infiniteupcycle.com and there will be one there in the next three to six months. We're going to start doing monthly webinars where I will walk you guys through every single step. Yeah, and I'm going to awesome. tell you in general, tell you guys why. Um, because I used to do this for my businesses. That's why I'm happy to teach people how to do it. They can do it themselves. Oh, and the I reality is you. that like, then this is what, like, it's not, like you said, it's not secret stuff. It's just- no. People can't be bothered doing it. That's why they're going to come to you. It right? is. That's exactly it. That's it why I a plan. ton of work. It <laughs> yeah. is a ton of work. I will show you what the ton of work is. I used to do it myself in the beginning. Now we have five team members doing the, the cycle for our clients. I mean, it takes five people to do this effectively. And we pay about six, $700 a month worth of software on top yeah. of that. So if you want to do it yourself, because I, and I totally get it. If you're bootstrapping, starting mm -hmm. off, if you know, there are a lot of your listeners are agencies, but if somebody is just starting off and they don't have the money to pay, I'll teach you how to do it. But I promise you, as soon as you have enough money to pay, you will pay somebody else to do this. For oh, you. yeah. And I'm like, I'm absolutely like hoping that we can sign up with you uh, in like the first few months of next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, like, okay. I don't want to do it. Um, no, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's start with the research. Okay, cool. So, the first step is, and no agency out there is going to be surprised to hear this, keyword research. Now, we have mm -hmm. our own way of doing it. I'm sure everybody out there has their own way of doing it. We have a formula. Again, on our website, we have a blog post. I'm not going to bore people here with the, the full formula, but we share the formula with people. And we'll um, link it so, up. I'll link that up. Exactly. For sure. Definitely. And I'll, I'll share it with you guys. Basically, what we do is do we do keyword volume. We do backlinks. We do competitivity. Um, and, and competitivity is the page rank of the articles you're competing against. So we kind of go out there and we look at, okay, I'm going to use language things because I know I'm the best. Spanish lessons online is the keyword, X number of searches. We go and find everybody on the first page of Google. We add together all of their page ranks and then we add together all their backlinks. We pump it into this formula and we do that for three keywords for each one of the concept ideas. So we just don't do Spanish lessons online. We'll do Spanish classes online and learn Spanish online. Let's just say, add all those scores together, comes up with a score. And if the score is above a certain point, depending on how powerful your page is, we think, okay, that's worth it for you to do. And if it's below a score, then we just chop it off. That's not a content idea worth doing. There's a few interesting things in there. One of the things I like about the formula is that a lot of people who, when they're doing keyword research, they just kind of look at the keyword volume and that gives you false positives because keyword volume doesn't necessarily mean we have a cutoff, you know, if it's a million, that's irrelevant, but mm. keyword volume doesn't tell you the whole story, but even on the low end keyword volume doesn't tell you a whole story. I was doing some research this morning for one of our articles. And at the beginning, it looked like we weren't going to write this article because the keyword searches were like between 700 to 400 a month for the, all three keywords, not very high volume, but then you get to the third step, which is figuring out how many people link to it. Oh my God. The first two articles had like 2000 links back to them each. Whoa. So based on our process, the last step, and I was talking about all this reusing the data, the last step is we're going to be contacting the people who link to similar articles and linking back to it. That's a huge number of people. So I don't really care if not that many people look for it. I can potentially get 20, 30, 40, 50 links back to this article, which mm. not only make this article go up, but also make every other article on my website go up. So that's what we do for the keyword research portion of it. We have a spreadsheet yeah. for it. You just pump them all in there. It takes a lot of time. 
Like when we do it for clients, it takes us three or four days to do it. Mm-hmm. But literally, we come up with a year to three years worth of content ideas, assuming you have one piece of content every week. Yep. In like in that amount of time, we literally give them like a two-year content calendar and we're like, there you go. We're ready. And <laughs> and we go and every do it. week. Go and do it. Exactly. <laughs> or we'll do it for you if you don't want, right? So yeah. we say, here it is. This is what we'll create for you. So that's step number one is the keyword research. Part of that, we also do content clustering because Google, especially after the last update, which was called, I believe, the bird update that happened to it happened a few weeks ago, but they had a new part of it just a few days ago when we're recording. Right. And it's all about context, right? So if you just have a random article out there that's just not related to anything else, in Google's eyes, related to anything else on your website, it doesn't rank as well. But if you create that one article, like the hub and spoke method, mm. it used to be link wheels and SEO, but this is internally in your site. Mm. You create that one article, then you create like eight articles that are related around it and link back to that one article. Suddenly, that main article will rank a lot better, and you're creating links to all of these articles. Interesting. Well. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask: is how does clustering work in practice? So, is it really? But like, because you have internal links all over your site, right? Like, from one of those eight articles, you might link to something that's in a different uh, cluster. Is that okay, or are you, are you trying to remove all of that now? It's okay, but we you need to plan it a little bit better. And I'm guilty of this myself. Link clustering is a re- relatively recent addition to it. About two years ago, we started doing the link clustering concept. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it was just like link to the related articles. We all know about the interlinking, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're not planning that ahead of time, that gets really hard to fix later, right? Where you got to right. go through every single article and relink to it. Um, And also Google might get a little bit confused because, okay, your main article that you really want to rank number one might be linked to from like three or four articles on your website, but another article that just happens to be related to it, the kind of a generic one that you don't really care if it ranks, has like 20 links from your other blogs just because it happened to work that way in the keyword research, right? Right. And so suddenly you have this article that you don't care about ranking. And Google now does can't quite figure out what the cluster is because everything's just kind of linked to each other. It almost feels like everything's weighted about the same, but right. you don't want that. You want certain things to be weighted a lot more than others. You want the yeah. high search volume wants to be weighted more. So you kind of make those the, the spoke in the cluster and you put the pillar articles around it. Gotcha. So that's, we plan that all ahead of time. We pass that on to the clients as well. So if they stop working <laughs> with us six months down the road, you continue. I mean, we'll tell you what the clusters are to build. Um, and we build, we, have, we do our cycles based on clusters. So we try to build a cluster at the same time. So nice. we don't necessarily start with the number one article on our list and go to the, then number two, number three, number four. We start with number one, but then we figure out what cluster that's the middle of. And we start doing the articles for that. So it might be number one on the list, number 13 on the list, and number 26 on the list because those are related to the top article. Is, is that one link out. out to the, the others as well, generally? Generally, we don't do a link out unless there's a valid reason to do it. Huh. It's not we're not draconian about it, but we want to make sure that Google knows this is the end of this. This is the end of the road. Right. Not, otherwise, it goes there and then it goes back to the articles and suddenly goes like, is this the end? What we right. do do on that one though is that's either where a call to action is, or we recommend this to the client since they control their own page, or at least there's a link in that one to their money page, to their sales page, in right. that main one, so that people go from that to purchase or to sign up the mailing list or to do whatever it is that you want. Um, on that. So that's all step one. It sounds, it's time consuming, but literally we do it in the beginning and we just have to do it once a year. I have have one more technical question for you. Are there external links in these as well? Yes, there are. Yes. Um, And definitely if if there's a relevant or especially if we're citing something, um, we'll talk a little bit more about it in step two, the content creation, but you know, all of our writers are writers. They're not just native English speakers. We we primarily work in the English market though we're examining the Spanish market. I speak Spanish as well. Um, But they're, they're writers. And so if they're writing in a well thought out, all of our pieces of content are long, long forms so 2000 words up to 3000 words and you need to cite it. That's just 
good writing practice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, our head writer is a, has been a reporter for 20 years. He will cite, if he's saying this is where the statistic is from, link out to where that statistic yeah, is from. Exactly. Don't worry about totally. losing link juice. Um, that's just a valid way to link yeah. out. So we're, that one, we don't have any hard and set rules. We don't like say, okay, do that because that might help another page, but it's not going to take us down. I don't believe too many out, you know, outbound links will help. We'll yeah. So, so one thing that's not fully clear to me then, does that mean in that post though, in this, like, mm -hmm. I, I kind of thought we were on step two already here, but <laughs> like, we're moving over to step two now. Yeah. yeah, so that, yeah. That's just so, we've just, this was planning first. Step yeah. two is the actual creation. Yeah. Of the gotcha. Content. So like, would you link to from, from the spoke post, whatever, not the mm -hmm. hub, um, is the spoke literally just got one internal link back to the, the hub? Not necessarily. The okay. main one, and especially the first one, because generally what we like to do is when the first two paragraphs, the first you know, inbound link to our site should be going to the hub of the yep. spoke. You know, of oh, the, the first one, yeah. Uh, the first one. The other ones can link out to the other ones if they're natural, but we're not artificially looking for it to do so. Okay. I don't care if it links to another spoke or another hub. Um, you know, if that makes sense for the article, go and do mm -hmm. it. But if we have like eight spokes and all eight of those spokes link out to another hub on another article, and our hub of our article, then something <laughs> went wrong in the process, right? Because yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, this is these are spokes for everything. Gotcha. Um, but if one links out to another one, that's fine. It's just natural on a website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think I don't know. I think we've just in case people aren't um, fully across like this hub and spoke thing. I realize we've been speaking about this, but I'm not sure. Just in case, like, can we have a little example of what like some keywords that might be in a hub and spoke? Sure. Um, I'm going to use languages again because yeah, perfect. while we do it for clients, I don't want to share client. And also I've been doing languages for 10 years myself. So definitely <laughs> I know the keywords inside and out, right? Yeah. So the, the hub in a, in Spanish would be learn Spanish. That is the Holy grail of language. That's how most people look for language learning mm -hmm. in Google. So you write an article about learning Spanish, but this better be like a friggin' amazing article, right? So this is the article about every single resource to learn Spanish out there. It can be a listicle. It can be whatever you want. 2,000, 3,000. Uh, we're even experimenting. We don't do this for clients yet because it's not scalable, but like 10 and 15,000 word posts. And we've done, we're doing that for ourselves. Um, we have at least two 20,000 word posts that are going to be going live pretty soon on content Damn. amplification and repurposing. And we're going to be building it around those. So wow. you have that in the middle. So you have learn Spanish, which is the big one. Below that, you get the smaller ones. And in, our, in my industry, Spanish lessons online would be a smaller one. So we write an article about Spanish lessons online, which is obviously related to learning Spanish. Mm -hmm. The first paragraph about Spanish lessons online, so we'll say something like, hey, if you learn, you know, you, Spanish lessons online, a great way to learn Spanish, learn Spanish links back to the hub, then we write the rest of our article, right? Mm -hmm. And then we got another one that's Spanish tutors online. How do you find the best Spanish tutor online? So we write an article about that. If you're looking to learn Spanish, I am not a writer. Keep in mind, so all this copy is awful, I know, but you know, <laughs> just to the, for the point of the example, for the first paragraph, we're like, how do you learn Spanish online? Hey, one of the great ways to learn it is to hire a Spanish tutor. Um, to learn Spanish is to hire a Spanish tutor. So that learn Spanish links back to it. And then you talk about all the ways you filter out, you know, you could find and hire Spanish tutors in the article. So yeah, that links back you. to the main one as well. And you just keep on building that around there. On a deeper level though, remember your spokes can be their own hubs. So I wrote that article about Spanish lessons that learn, links back to learn Spanish. Oh, let's do Spanish tutors. So I wrote that article about Spanish tutors that links back to learn Spanish. But then I make it the hub of another wheel. Right. And then I do Spanish tutors in Mexico article. Well, it makes a great Spanish, which links back to the Spanish tutors article, which then yeah. links back to the learn Spanish article. And then I start creating things around there. So you can nice. have hubs within hubs within hubs. Yeah. Um, but the end result is learn Spanish. That's the top of the, th the, the whole yeah. thing, right? Everything totally. in the end will link back to that. That's awesome.
Uh, that is such a good uh, description. And I'm like, my mind is already like going, shit, we've done a whole bunch of stuff that I need to like go back and like <laughs> replan now. Um, and it just giving me a bunch of ideas. Um, yep. Uh, I'm going to move on from that. Otherwise I'm going to go <laughs> quiet and just stink. <laughs> well, so, that's what uh, editors are for, right? They can always, they can have the five minute of you thinking and they just cut it right out of the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, that, yeah. There you go. So what, um, anything else, uh, as part of the content creation we need to cover? Well, for the content creation, pretty much we also have a methodology for that it's a combination of two things in the infinite upcycle the first step before we even get into the cycle you work with one of our and right now actually you work with my partner jc and he onboards you and we need to know everything from like you know if you know who your buyer personas are who are we writing these articles for um what is the voice of your website right are you friendly are you corporate all the rest of it. all mm-hmm. this information is collected um then we take all this keyword and content research and we put it into some worksheets that we have that we then pass on to our writers. We have a team of writers that we work with, um, all of who work under an editor who checks all the work. So it's not like, hey, you wrote it, we're done. This goes back and forth. But the writer gets this, what we call an author's pack, which we kind of give it to them. And this is like, this is your client. This is who you're writing for. This is the end result. We want them to subscribe. We want them to sign up. We want them to leave a comment at the bottom. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... All of that gets passed on to the content creator writers. So they write the article. They go through all the process. Afterwards, we pass it through a software called clearscope.io, which is going to check it for its SEO, how good it is in its keyword space. So Clearscope will give you a score that, okay, this one's still like, this article was written for Spanish Lessons Online. It will tell you, okay, compared to all the, the top 10 results of Spanish Lessons Online, you're missing a few things here in the keywords. You're missing the... Your writing might level might be a little too high. It does that. So it says, you know, nice. average articles are between eighth and ninth grade level. Gives you all these statistics. So our editor goes back, gives all those feedbacks. The writer goes back and tweaks it. So not only is it written, an awesome article written for your, for your audience, it's an awesome article also optimized for Google because we need to meet, meet that balance, right? Yeah. It's great that your article is great, but if it doesn't rank, nobody's going to read it anyway. <laughs> um, or if you write it only for Google and people go there and the bounce rate is awful because nobody, you know, nobody shares it, then that's bad as well. So we use those tools for the content creation. This is the reason why we always start our site. For example, if you signed up for us today... We have one month of onboarding. So first, we get to know you. There's, a, there's quite a few meetings because we really need to get to know the clients. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like four hours of meetings over four to six hours of meetings on the course of a month mm-hmm. um, with tons of emails back and forth. Damn. <laughs> but then next, yeah. No, I mean, we really want, we want to make sure your business succeeds. So we got to get, we have to get to know you. Yeah. Um, so the next month, what we do is we start creating the content, but not for that month. We create the content for the month after that. Mm-hmm. So in February, let's say we would be con- creating the content for March. The reason is, is this cycle takes time. This content creation takes time. We do it a month in advance, but we have buffer. So like if something just, it takes a little longer, we're okay. Because we're not creating content this week for next Monday. Mm -hmm. We're creating content this week for Monday of next month. That's the reason why we structure our business this way. So we're never running back. We're not chasing down our client because sometimes we might not be the industry experts on a topic. Um, One of our clients is an HVAC company. I know nothing about HVAC. Mm -hmm. I can't assume our writer knows anything about, you know, heating and ventilation systems. We will do our research. We'll write it. But we also want the the expert at the company to kind of like read it over a second just to make sure we're not saying anything that's incorrect. This whole thing takes some time. Yeah. Um, and you know, like, it's funny, you describing basically what I was kind of hoping to set up internally. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, like the amount of effort, like I know it would have been awesome for us, but I'm just like, then I heard what you guys do. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't have to do it. That's nice. Yeah, that's it. I mean, 
And well, we'll be honest, like, you know, we look for clients in between half a million to $3 million range because anybody smaller can't, it's just not feasible for them to do it generally. Mm -hmm. Anybody bigger, you can, then you can start affording to maybe build your own team. And we've mm -hmm. actually, we have one person who we're working with, we're going to help them build a team. I mean, mm -hmm. if you outgrow us, we're like, we'll help you hire, we'll train mm -hmm. them, we'll put them in place. So great, good for nice. you. I mean, we'll, we'll charge you for it, but we'll help you put that team in place mm -hmm. and we wish you all the luck, you know, going yeah, forward. Nice. If you need to bring us in once every year to just kind of teach them whatever new things we learned, yep. we'll take care of that as well. That's um, awesome. And we also, again, we work with agencies for white labeling because sometimes their clients want this. The agency does not, even an agency doesn't want to build its own team to specialize in this. And we work with agencies in this. So well, that there you go. Can, I did not know that. That's bloody good yeah. to hear. Because I know like a lot of people in uh, this audience and people listening are, you know, people looking for white label stuff. Like everyone loves to, add new revenue channels, but not do the work. So this is absolutely perfect. That's it. And um, we already, we already have some white labelers actually down in Australia as well. We have some white nice. labelers we're already working with, um, to do this because they specialize in other parts of the business. They want to keep doing what they're good at. Mm -hmm. They don't want to bother doing this. And we're happy to work with white labels as well to, to provide this service. For so long, I've, I've like toyed with the idea of like starting up an agency again, which is literally just a <laughs> bunch of white label services. Cause I'm like, I know I've got all the right people now that I know I'm like, Oh my God, we could do all of this so easily. And <laughs> like, I just like not even project manage it, like just basically connect people. It would be amazing, <laughs> but I'm just not doing it. Cause I got enough crap going on as uh, it is. I know how you feel. Shiny yep. object shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, is that it with content? Can we move on to step three? Yeah, we can move on. That's it for content. I'm sure I love step three, by the way. Like, uh, oh. I mean, like it was so simple, I guess, in a way. But I was just like, because we'll get, in this to a, get into this in a second. But one of the things that always annoys me is like trying to create images for posts. Mm -hmm. I'm always like trying to explain to writers what kind of images I want. And your system is amazing. Uh, let's let's <laughs> get into like it. it. Let's do it. And this is actually the part of the process that we call the content repurposing because people say content repurposing in the beginning, people came up to us and they're like, Hey, are you a content repurposing agency? I'm like, we do it, but we do a lot more than that. I mean, content repurposing is just one portion of mm. what we do. This is the part that we call the content repurposing. So basically, and we have worksheets for this as well. Um, I'll give you a link at the end of it. You mm -hmm. guys can download the worksheets. I told you that we're an open book. We're sharing all this stuff yeah. with everybody out there. Um, if you want to do it yourself, knock yourself out. The worksheets are not super intuitive, so you might have to get on a call with me for me to explain how they work. <laughs> um, it won't be a sales call. I'm not a salesperson. My partner does sales. I mean, I'll get on there. I'll just explain it, and you guys can do what you want. Uh -huh. um, so basically, the process is when you've written a two to 3,000-word article, we've generally found that you know, an image works well for every 500 or so words. Um, it also works on the page. You know the general rule where you're not supposed to have a full page of text. So depending on your font size, that'll make it so that you know, every piece of, every chunk of content is broken down with an image. But the thing is, we want to re these images should not just be stock photos. I said this at the talk, but we've all seen that guy at the coffee shop with a beard that looks like the, you know, the yuppie guy that everybody got for free at unsplash.com, right? I mean, that, that just <laughs> does not work on social media. It does not work on pages any, that much anymore as well. Now, you can use those images, don't get me wrong, but you have to do a little bit more to it. So You know what, I'm just sorry, I'm like laughing pretty hard internally right now because I'm just like trying to, trying to like not laugh out loud because I remember you put that image up in the talk, <laughs> that exact, that guy with the beard. Everybody has the them computer. on the website. Yeah. Oh, especially <laughs> agencies. 
it's uh. massive. So if you're listening to this and you've got that bloody hipster guy with the big beard leaning back at his computer, please get that off your website. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody has seen that before. We know, especially other agencies, we know where you got that from. Yeah. It works well. I mean, and you haven't done anything to it. So what you need to do is we use Canva for this. You can use much more, you know, sophisticated software. We, we find that that's, it's simple enough. What we do in Canva is we put it up there. We already have a brand guide in place for all of our brands because we need to know their colors, their fonts, and all the rest of it. So what we do is from the articles, we extract either quotes or important points. And this is in the spreadsheet. We pass it out. So the graphic designer gets these. They get the general synopsis of what the article is about. Then what they do is, and they already have the brand guide. So they know the colors. They know the logo. They know the website, all of that. And they create unique images for each one of those concepts, which then get integrated back into the content you already created because you know it's already there on the page. You might as well reuse it. So you put it back in the appropriate places in your content. But then after that, you use Canva and you resize it for all of the social media and you post it across every single social media, not at the same time. We use Buffer <laughs> to schedule it out. And you also have to change, there's two sides to it. You have to change the tone of your posts because the tone of your post on Facebook, which is a business network, should not be exactly the same text you use on Facebook, which is where people you know, go for their friends. Right? I think you meant LinkedIn there. the first time. I did. did I <laughs> you said Facebook and Facebook. Oh, there you go. It's yeah. late at night here where I'm at. So maybe that's what I'm doing uh, a little it's, bad. It's yeah. interesting, man, because like uh, you say that because I am such a fan of being the same everywhere. Like I know LinkedIn is more supposed to be business, but I hate that shit so much that I will. Like sometimes I will. That's why we do it for you. <laughs> well, yeah, but sometimes I like, I almost want to provoke people and, and get them like, <laughs> so I fight like, I haven't had it happen yet, but I've seen it on other people's posts where they like swear and then someone will have this big complaint post about people swearing on LinkedIn. So I'm like, oh, yes, I'm going to swear some more because <laughs> like I hate this how like people suddenly become like, oh, now I'm on LinkedIn. I better wear a suit and be more corporate. Like, fuck off. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's it. Like <laughs> but that's part of the brand guide, though. That's why we get to know, you, you know, the, yeah. our clients as a brand. If the brand swears. Knock yourself out. We will swear across you know everything you want up to the yeah. point where you get banned on. I think on some of them you might actually get banned, <laughs> not on all of them. But <laughs> if you are corporate, you make sure it's you know even your Facebook, even though we say it's a little more friendly, will be a little more on the corporate side of things, right? Because yeah. that is who you are. If you Correct. tell jokes, yeah. we'll do our best to write jokes, but you know that's very hit or miss or cultural. Um, but you know my writers are a lot better at it. So we do that for you, and we also do the hashtag research. We use tools to do that for the social media that you know use hashtag, yeah, which awesome. is not all of them. Mm -hmm. um, we put that all in there. We schedule it all out. And we, so the goal of all of that is to link back to that content you created, right? So all of them have a reference to the content you created. Mm -hmm. We're drawing traffic to it. We're drawing shares to it. We're getting your exposure to it. And if you have, we don't do this, but you know, if you have Facebook ads and Google ad pixels on there, boom, they've been on your website now. Now they're, they're deeper down your funnel. Mm -hmm. um, they might assign up for your mailing list. Then so they're deeper down your funnel just from the social media or just for brand recognition you're all over the place, especially if you're not competing against the big boys. The fact that we put for one article, we will put between 35 and 40 social media posts. So on our lowest end, that's still a post, more than a post every day we take care of. Mm -hmm. On the high end where we do one piece of content every week for you, that's 160 social media posts we are taking care of for you for a year. You are all over the place. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, no matter where people go, we're talking Instagram, we're talking Pinterest, we were talking yeah. earlier, we're, we're even testing. It's not part of our service, but we're testing TikTok right now, right? If we nice. can get some traction there, we will add that on top of the service. So we will take care of all of that for you. 
So your brand is essentially everywhere on social media. That's what we mean by social media repurposing. Mm -hmm. Kind of it, these are engaging things. These are not just like, hey, buy my product. This is, you know, James Rose said this about, you know, online marketing and that is what the thing, that's what the image says. And we might have an image. And, that, and that's what I loved about the whole image thing is like pulling out the quotes. Not only does it r make it so easy to put images back into the post, which is a sore point mm -hmm. for us. Uh, but it also means you like, you've got all the social media content as well. Like a, like a image. It's always something I like, I hate doing. It's like, Oh, like I don't want to share this article with just like a random like whatever comes up when I put the link in. So to have the image there is just, yeah, like it just takes care of two things that just annoy the crap out of me. So it's such that's a it. The, the ethnically not, what's it? The ethnically non-diverse woman with her hands in the air. That's actually the name of the image, right? Because you can't tell she's Asian or Latina. Like I've seen that everywhere and I downloaded it once and it's like ethnically non-diverse, you know, wow. non-distinct women. I'm like, wow, that's awful. So, yeah. But you can use that image. But even if you put your logo on it, you put a quote on it, it it's much more compelling than just that generic yeah which is easy to do with tools like canva and snapper oh, definitely, actually definitely. snapper is a dcr actually a fellow DCR I'm, I'm actually gonna be playing around with it we're totally open to changing our nice. team who does it are graphic designers right i mean they're not just yeah. people who know how to use canva they're graphic designers yeah. but there's like and i i suck at this it's kind of you know there's the layout and there's kind of the mm. spacing and there's all that kind of stuff that the difference between a graphic designer and somebody like I don't Me know about you, you. Either, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was looking at it like, eh, it kind of looks okay, but there's actually theories and you know science behind what makes yeah. it look good, and yeah. we do not know that. Correct. So that's, <laughs> yeah. so that's yeah. step three. Mm -hmm. And number four is this is the I get I find this is like the this is the money right, and this is this, it's that's difficult. It. This is the long term. So, yeah. yeah. So what we do in the step. Four is what some people might know as the skyscraper link building method, which is where you build links back to it. But it's, of course, been tweaked and made a little more optimum um, because of all the steps that we do before in-house and we don't kind of get all of this externally. So we know that this content you created, what keywords we want it to rank for, right? Because we did that in step one and we built the content for it in step two. So now in step four, we already have all this information. We even know who our audience is. And we also know who has linked back to similar material in the past because we did that in step one. We have a list of all the websites. What we do is we actually go to the first five pages of Google and we download all 50. I've tried it with 100, but you, it's got diminishing returns. So the top 50 websites that rank for that keyword, Spanish Lessons Online, let's say. And I'm it, with our system, we go in there and we find out everybody who's linked to any one of those top 50 articles. Any one of them. We go out there, we put it down, and we get the email of anybody who's linked to the top 50 articles. And then we email them, and we're like, this is the key why the content has to be amazing, because this doesn't work if you just make a 300-word yeah. post and like, hey, look at this. I did something that's crappier than what's already out there. Nobody cares. You have to do something <laughs> that's better than what's already out there. And we reach out to them like, look, I'm gonna, this is not verbatim. You've linked to something like this in the past. Check this out. You might be interested. Um, there's a few tricks we do for that for that outreach. I'm not going to say tricks, but to make it a little more personal, it's hmm. first we ask for feedback before we do anything else. So that gets engagement because all of us, if we're in agencies, we get those links all the time. Hey, I was surf but I was searching randomly on Google and I came across your website. I think it's awesome. And <laughs> would you like to link to mine? I mean, no, we've all seen those templates. That's not it. On yeah. mine, on all the templates we do for our clients, I ask permission to include their LinkedIn link because we reach out to them in the name of our clients. So, you know, right. for you, James, it'd be like, hey, I'm James. I'm from Australia. These are some things I like to do for fun. I'm a real person. Here, check out my LinkedIn profile. This is what I do. And by the way, 
I also have an article related to what you, you know, you've done before. It's you're the CEO of the company, the head of the company. And I'd love it if you were able to, sh- you know, share it with your audience, either on social media or link back to it on your blog, whatever it is. I don't care if they share it on their social media. To me, that's still a win. I didn't get a link. It's not as long term, but somebody just shared it. If they have 10,000 followers on, you know, on Pinterest or Instagram and they share it on their Instagram, awesome. Mm-hmm. That's not the ideal thing for us, but I will take it. Um, and we found that this kind of thing, it sometimes it creates a conversation, which means you get a long-term relationship. Some of them will just give you links. They're like, awesome. I already posted it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them won't answer you. And I use, you know, Ahrefs to monitor my links. And I'm like, damn, I reached out to that guy like three months ago. He put a link. He didn't even respond. I just have <laughs> a link on his website. Right? I'm like, that's oh, awesome. that's wonderful. Um, but it also takes it to the next level. I have been interviewed by newspapers in Chile, Czechoslovakia, and Italy as a result of this, because they get back to me. It's like, wow, that's an amazing piece of content. That article you mentioned was a little old because, you know, some of these links are from like eight years ago, mm. but I'd love to make a new news story about it. Would you be interested in being interviewed? And I was like, Damn. sure. I mean, you know, so I've appeared in newspapers. I've been on a few podcasts. It's like, I have a podcast. You'd be, you know, because I sent my LinkedIn profile. They know what I do. They're like, hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast. So what Damn. happens then when we work with our clients? We forward that to the clients, of course. <laughs> my email, yeah, my email, my the link building email specialist is not going out there. It's like, sure, interview me on you know what James is doing. I'm like, no, we forward that to you guys. You continue the conversation. Oh, we've man, already reached so out rude. as you instead of uh, as us. I'm not saying you know it's not this guy who's reaching out in the name of this company. We mm. reach out as our clients. Mm-hmm. We create lookalike um, servers, so we're not risking your email address. We're not risking your domain. We take care of all of that. We'll mm. get a domain that looks like mine, livelingua.com, we might get live-lingua.com and do an outreach from that. And that 301, so if they go and check out that website, it still goes yeah. to your website, so they, it's a totally legitimate. But we're not risking your IP address at all. Yeah, I have, I have toyed with that in the past, actually, mm-hmm. um, outreach, and I, I used contentsnare.io and the uh, same thing, like yeah, <laughs> redirected exactly. it. And, yeah, yeah, you have to. Some people who are, don't know what they're doing, they use their own email. That's a way to get your email blacklisted. But we actually, the way we do it, because we use a software to send out the emails, uh, we use it. We use something called Lemlist, and it mm. does the, the emails from nine to five every five to seven minutes or something like that. Yeah. It sends all the stuff out for you. Um, we've been using it for like three years. None of the emails uh, for my clients. I mean, for my websites, and now so for some of the clients, we've never had anybody blacklisted. Um, yeah, because we we send out legitimate emails. I, I know that. I know even despite that, I know there's like people listening to this and just fuming right now about uh, <laughs> cold outreach. But look, I there's a massive case to be made for cold yep. outreach, and like you know, I, I see a lot of agencies have success with like you know website audits, for example, like reaching out to people with with audits and stuff. Like you know, you can you can actually I don't know. I, I'm not super anti-cold outreach. I'm anti-shit cold outreach. Well, that's um, it. And these are people that are not totally... I mean, I'm not just getting an email list and emailing these people. These are people who've linked to similar articles in the past mm-hmm. on their website. So, you know, I know they're already there. It's a cold outreach, but to kind of a pseudo pre-vetted. I'm not buying an email list with 100,000 emails that you buy for like $5 on <laughs> and yeah. spam in those people, right? Yeah. Um, but if cold outreach didn't work, tell, there would be no such thing as telemarketers. Yeah. I mean, you know, if this simply didn't work... it then those people yeah. would not be calling us to make sales. Exactly. It works. Yeah. Man. Um, 
this has been insane. Um, <laughs> I I think this is one of the longer episodes. I'm not actually sure how long we've been going for, but um, it's <laughs> just like there's no way I was going to pull this up short because it's just so unbelievably helpful. And it's just like an entire system for people to create content, get it ranking, and actually get clients out of it. I mean, obviously, it requires a lot of commitment if you're going to do it in-house. Um, but, you know, then there's somewhere someone like infinite upcycle who are going to do it for for us so and that's like i said i plan on signing up uh next year um you know we talk we'll talk about this offline but uh it's and i'm so happy that you guys white label because i mean it's it's very important for agencies to well i don't know if very important is the word but it's just like i just know so many people who are who want to add services but shouldn't be taking on the extra work and that's, that's why white labeling is just brilliant because... And we know. do the same with us. I mean, you know, if somebody comes to us, for example, we'll post on Facebook for you. So there's, a, you know, you have a great amount of content on Facebook, mm-hmm. but we do not do paid Facebook promotion. That's not our area. I mean, yeah. you know, we don't you know the audiences and all the rest of it. We are, you know, if we might at some point white label with a company who does it because that's just not where we're going to do. Or right now we yeah. just refer, we have a, a network of people, some of who you mm-hmm. know as well, um, that we'll refer you to because we're, we're going to be honest, that's not what we do. But yeah. trust me, those people love us because they go into their social media platforms like, wow, there's actually something for me to work with now as opposed to the other ones where they kind of go into this empty Facebook feed or this yeah. empty Twitter feed and they're like, Ugh. you know, now we got to get the client to start, start <laughs> posting first. Then we can work <laughs> on something, right? So we take Absolutely. care of all that. Awesome. Well, Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we will link up to uh, your keyword research posts and where people can go to get those worksheets and everything. Um, it'll be at agencyhighway.com slash 7878. Um, yeah, Ray, just wanted to say thanks. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.